let me get this right. It's illegal to take pictures on a plane in Spain, but you can clap when you land. <laughs> Things that should be illegal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was Portugal, <laughs> not Spain. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. My bad. <laughs> You're listening to Dots, Lines, and Destinations, a travel podcast with host Stephen Seagraves, Fosma Moon, and Seth Miller. Hello, and welcome to episode 362 of Dots, Lines, and Destinations. I'm Stephen Seagraves, joined today by the full crew, Seth Miller and Faz Mahmood. Hey, guys. Howdy. Hello, hello. Yeah, you guys have a, a good Thanksgiving? Indeed. Faz, I, I've never asked you this, but are you a turkey fan? No. No? Yeah, me either, really. I'm not I'm not big on ham. I mean, I don't eat ham, and I know you don't eat ham, but I'm not a big ham fan either. So Thanksgiving's kind of lost on me. Well, it's more about the connecting for me. You get to see all your family. Yeah. Nieces, nephews. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's not. Uh, <laughs> seems like that's going around. <laughs> seems. I mean, I think that's par for every family, quite honestly. But yeah. you know, but yeah, it could no, it all, could be worse. It could be the not seeing them that causes the drama. <laughs> well, that, there's that possibility too. So we we had a little about a, a bit of that in our in our weekend. So yeah, and Seth, you you guys didn't do turkey, right? We, we did. You did. Yeah, I don't think I actually posted any pictures of Thanksgiving dinner. I posted many of the uh, warm up acts, if you will. <laughs> we did. I think you're remembering the lobster pictures. That would, yes, honestly, would not be a bad way to do Thanksgiving in New England. Um, but yeah, we got. Right. Something like twelve pounds of lobsters, uh, six two-ish pound each uh, culls. They're called uh, lobsters with only one claw. Oh. Uh, which the claw is t- in recent experience for me from the one place we got them has been bigger than not for the size lobster it is for some reason. So you still get plenty of claw meat. Um, it's harder to crack because you know mm. it's a thicker uh, shell and whatnot, but it's cheaper uh, because it's not fancy enough to display at a restaurant or whatever. They often are sold. They were like 20 to 30% off hmm. in our case. So uh, we, yeah, we got calls and like, I didn't care cause we were serving them at home and our family is more about having the food than making it look pretty. But, yeah. and in the end we actually grilled them like parboiled and then grilled them to finish them, which I'm not sure really made a difference, but it meant that they were pre-split. Oh yeah. And for the claws. Well, yeah, well, I mean, I did it all, but yeah, for the claws, yeah actually cracked them with a had to use a giant meat tenderizer uh, <laughs> because I mean, literally the size of my hand. <laughs> yeah. I saw a picture the one on my hand. So <laughs> it was thick enough that you wrap it in a towel. So it doesn't, so the spray pattern is lessened and then smack it a couple times, but times with like a hammer or a tenderizer to crack it open. Wow. But now we did a proper 13 pound Turkey, two stuffings, not, neither in the bird, um, which I have feelings about, but it's okay. Um, what else? Two pies, apple and uh, pumpkin, some green beans, mashed potatoes, gravy. Nice. Bread rolls. Oh. Yeah, it's it quite the feast. Does, does Foz, what do you do then if you don't do turkey? Foz? He mutes himself. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I do mute myself. Um, we probably do more just a traditional dinner. Oh yeah, just like all get all together and have a have a nice big dinner or something together. Yeah, yeah. that's nice. Whatever people are craving. Mm-hmm. What do you have? Uh, we did chicken pot pie because neither of us are huge turkey. I mean, I I I'll eat turkey, but most more often than not, it's it comes out dry. So I'm just like, 
I'd rather do like a Cornish game hen or something like that. And I can work with you on the dryness issues. There's ways. Yes. I, I'm just lazy and don't feel like dealing like I, I can, there's, I can eat other things. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we had chicken pot pie stuff. My wife makes stuffing every year. We, we really like the stuffing that she makes. And, um, we'll see pie, some green beans. Yeah. It was nice. all around. Nice. Um, the little one enjoy it. He didn't know what was going on. He was like, he was like watching us eat. Like, I don't understand why you get the carbs and I don't. So, <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, let's talk travel. There's a oh, new or not travel. Yeah. Not, not travel. In this case, South Africa is going back into a, a lockdown because of the, uh, Omicron variant that has popped up there and uh i guess the eu commission kind of today recommended complete shutdown of flights to south africa yeah Um, and the u.s is blocking non-residents and permanent residents from or citizens and permanent residents from returning i think canada is doing the same uh antigua is doing the same uh if you're going to the caribbean from south africa not so much anymore uh it's one of the interesting takes I saw was that this is it's hard it was something to the fact of it's hard not to see this as punishment for South Af- against South Africa or Africa in general for having good science by preventing their uh, citizens from traveling to all these places. And that's while I sort of get it, there's also the like the outrage uh, or the it's to an extent outraged, but the the hot take of we shouldn't block flights from places where new variants are coming because reasons, um, you know, either it's already fully spread or that's just, like, it's never, that's not going to help the spread or anything help stop the spread or anything else is, is a weird one to me. Like we do know that more, far more than anything else, the virus, a virus will travel long distances by plane much more efficiently than by car or by train or by ship or anything else. Yeah. So does that mean that you can completely stop the spread? No, but like masks and vaccines don't 100% stop the spread either, but we know that they do a damn good job of helping. And, yeah, and it's especially when there's something new and we're trying to figure out what the impact is, maybe helping is a good idea. Yeah. I mean, it seems like if, if you let, I mean, cause there's been reported cases, I guess in Hong Kong of this, this two in Hong Kong in isolation. Yep. One in Belgium, which was a, unvaccinated traveler who arrived from Cairo, but ironically, like only the Southern portion of Africa are the countries that are sort of being blocked right now, not Cairo. So I'm not sure if that person connected or not, but they came from Cairo. There's a, there's some weird. Yeah. I just, I think, you know, if you contain it at the source, right. And even if it's not completely contained, at least containing it a little bit, at least keeps it from, it gives us time to research the, the variant. Or at least more time to research it. If if this thing spread like the original one, like original COVID, that was like a wildfire quickly, right? Like yeah. overnight, and, it was everywhere. And I guess the question is, you know, what are you going to study? And I mean, to, to me, the answer is like, what's the impact for vaccinated people? Yeah, um, more than unvaccinated, because we sort of know what the impact for unvaccinated people is going to be in any case, in any variant. But um, you know, is it something that's going and what doesn't help is that this is coming against the backdrop of a surge in Europe anyways. Yep. So like uh, Austria is, right. you know, locked down now. Slovakia is locked down. Um, yeah. I was supposed to be in Austria next week. And yeah, I remember we talked about that. And so this is, this is definitely adding to some headaches. Do you think United will keep flying the Johannesburg route? 
As of uh, Friday night, we're recording this episode relatively early, but as of Friday night, the official policy is yes. They're going to continue to fly Joburg. They are going to activate, uh, reactivate uh, Dulles to is it Lagos. Oh, the scheduled? tag flight. Um, no, that was, I mean, it's a separate route. Um, is is restarting next week uh, or this week? Oh, I see. To this yeah. and Cape Town is supposed to start as well, and it is also uh, restarting, but um, on the first, I believe. So, um, yeah, the, the United is at least for now uh, going to continue. So, because they also have the Acre flight, right? Yes. Okay. okay, that's the one that's continuing, and then. Here we go. Here we go. I found the, the link here. Currently, five flights a week between Newark and Joburg will continue. Three flights a week between Dulles and Accra will continue. The uh, inaugural between Dulles and Lagos is on the 29th. We'll operate as scheduled. The and restart of Cape, Newark Cape Town on December 1st will continue as scheduled. Hmm. And Delta is continuing its flights as well. But that comes against the backdrop of the 212F uh, restriction, which is the change uh was the rule about uh entry to the united states that was you know put in place last last april and then was taken away just a couple weeks ago or opened back up uh will take effect on the 29th for foreign nationals from enter preventing foreign nationals from entering the united states if they have been in south africa namibia zimbabwe botswana lesotho mozambique malawi or eswatini within the past 14 days wow so U.S. citizens and permanent residents can still return, but foreign nationals cannot. Interesting. Um, a lot of cargo on those flights, I assume. So that's probably Not helping to keep them. Yeah. yeah. The other thing I was going to say was that this comes on the heels right as India is kind of reopening to regularly scheduled flights, right? Yeah. So India for domestically is sort of back to normal levels anyways. Um, and even just recently started allowing airlines to start serving food again on board, which obviously means that you have uh, – a lot of people not wearing masks the whole time. Um, but they also for basically ever, basically since the beginning of the pandemic had blocked or for a long time anyways, had blocked international flights, mm-hmm. uh, right? The, the border was closed. And when it reopened, it was sort of reciprocal access travel bubble only. And so among other things like, you know, you couldn't fly so-called sixth freedom flights, which is onward connection from your hub. Mm-hmm. Uh, which meant that like Emirates could fly people to and from India, but not onward connections. Lufthansa has pretty significant service into India, but couldn't connect people to North America or Europe. Uh, it was great news, somewhat ironically for Air India, because it had nonstop flights to many, many places. And now uh, with limited competition, especially on connections, could uh, basically keep fares high and you know profit from the limited inventory. Uh, that goes away mid-December, I think it's the 15th. Those rules are all suspended and it goes back to normal operations or normal sort of except for flights from certain countries that are of, uh, I think they're saying high-risk countries, which is super amusing because the high-risk countries include like Singapore. <laughs> or at-risk countries, sorry. It's not high-risk, it's at-risk. But uh all countries in Europe, including the United Kingdom, South Africa, Brazil, Bangladesh, Botswana, China, Mauritius, New Zealand, Zimbabwe, Singapore, Hong Kong, and Israel. So suggesting that you're at high risk of uh, having COVID when traveling into India from Hong Kong, Singapore, or New Zealand uh, is a little, laughable. A little, bit, a little bit backwards? 
you in fact laughed at it. And I would say quite laughable. Um, it's absurd, right? Because like there, there are no cases essentially in those countries. Uh, but when those countries have strict limits on Indian arrivals and testing and, and, and it's very clear that this is political retribution, not yeah, it's uh, reciprocation. Health, health policy. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So yay. Interesting. Uh, does this mean you think uh, American launches uh, Seattle Bangalore on time? Or I guess define late, on you know. time. It's never going to launch. <laughs> Foz, has, Foz has no faith. They, I mean, they have delayed it again, not, not this month, but, or not this week, uh, earlier this month. But <laughs> uh, <sighs> it's been a rolling delay, you know. That ten sounds... days at a time, every ten days. Yeah, yeah. Ten minutes at a time, every ten minutes. <laughs> it's like the old an airplane now arriving at gate one, gate two, <laughs> gate three. Um, tell me about I mean, this. I mean, but this is a Delta tactic, right? Announce a route and then never fly it. <laughs> well, they're all learning from each other. Only to Africa. Not no, no, Africa. Not only. I'm to still Africa, waiting. But... I'm, I'm still waiting for the flight to Gothenburg. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still waiting for Portland and Seoul. That'll happen, right? Someday? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Why not? Uh, tell me about this uh, Air Canada penalty for their uh, failure to refund people in a timely fashion, or at all. Yeah. Um, I guess the good news is, for the most part, the refunds finally happened. So, yay. When the, when the, when the Canadian federal government finally decided to give the airline the money to do that. Um so the, the lack of refunds is canceled flights and or people couldn't travel. So starting last April, Air Canada, rather than providing refunds, provided vouchers and they expired or then they didn't expire and whatever, but it was just vouchers. And with travel so limited and whatever, that was a very poor thing to do to customers. Uh, for travelers flying to or from the United States, in theory, that's also against DOT rules. Yep. Uh, some 5,000 cases, complaints were filed against Air Canada, according to DOT statistics, as of June, when having tried to negotiate a settlement for some period of time, uh, the the airline and the, and the agency finally agreed that they had or decided they had not come to an agreement sufficiently. And so the U.S. government issued a recommendation of a $25 million fine. And then they immediately went into negotiations to more, you know, again, I guess restarted negotiations or whatever to try to not have that be the number. And uh, the la- late last week, week before, um, the two parties agreed or announced an agreement that the fine would be $4.5 million, not 25, and that 2.5 of it would be forgiven in lieu of the refunds that were actually paid. So the penalty is, and that was paid by the Canadian government or a loan from the government. So it sort of doesn't count uh, in my mind. So in total, uh, cost to Air Canada for holding all of that money and screwing those customers for so long was $2 million. Seems kind of nice to be able to like renegotiate your own punishment. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's good the work. U.S. government is on record as saying they believe that the penalty is significant enough that it should dissuade future behavior of the similar type. Somehow I doubt that. Right? Canada, even with COVID and everything else, Air Canada had $6 billion, $5.8 billion in revenue in 2020, and it cost them $2 million. I still think they should have taken their LaGuardia slots. <laughs> right? I mean, yes. Or DCA or anywhere else. Like, some sort of punishment. 
Yeah. Two million dollars is stupid. I mean, the problem is when they do things like this, right? The airlines know they'll get away with it in the end. And so there's no reason for them to do better in the future. Yeah. yeah. It is a cost of doing business. There's, there's going to be some fine. It'll be what it will be. And we'll just work, you know, comes out of a different light item and we'll work it out. And we'll negotiate it down. Yeah. But it's, I mean, I think what irritates people or gets under their skin is the fact that the, the, the basically they got a free loan from the government to, to pay these fines or not to pay. The I don't fines, care about the that as long as the money got repaid. Right, right. I'm just saying, I don't care about the, the, the free government money is to repay passengers. Right. So yeah. I don't care how and why they ch- they chose to do the right thing and pay the customer back. So long as the customer gets paid back, I'm going, I'm facing a similar thing with Austrian and I know I'm not going to get my money back. Yeah. Right. I, and I bought the ticket knowing that this was a risk and it's not enough money that I'm you know, going to cry about it. But I know that I should, should expect to be frustrated that Austrian, you know, Lufthansa group is going to have $150 of my dollars. And I almost certainly am never going to see them again. Maybe I can find a time in the future to use it as a credit, but you know, my guess is it will be a credit that's only valid on Austrian, not on all the member group airlines, which would at least have some value to me. Like odds I go back to Vienna are pretty low. Yeah. Anytime soon. So, you know, I get it. There was a risk taken in booking and whatever, but like, it's, I would go if hotels and airports and restaurants were open. The government has said tourists can't go, and I'm a tourist. I'm being denied entry, but the airline doesn't care. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and maybe it shouldn't. Maybe that is my risk. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think, I feel like people with Air Canada, it's a little different, right? People had booked these flights before COVID. They understood what COVID was and before COVID was a thing. Sure. And all of a sudden, everything went to crap, and they were canceled and had no recourse. And Air Canada said, "Ah, eh, it's too bad. You paid us." And it's like, "Come on now!" And then, like yeah. you said, they make you know billions of dollars in revenue uh, and can't pay it out from their own pocket, right? Like, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> go ahead, Fuzz. I was going to say the, the problem. I mean, this is one of the reasons why I generally try to use an Amex when I book a lot of the, a lot of my flights because. From one of the uh, continental dues years ago, one of the things that when I was talking to one of the folks in the accounting department, they basically said that if it's, if a dispute comes from Amex, they will they will not fight it really? because they they will never win. <laughs> and we have a mutual friend who I believe used an Amex for a booking on Air Canada and maybe got his money back, but maybe not. They, right? It, I think, or maybe it was a U.S. U.S. based Amexes were willing to honor the uh, disputes, but not necessarily all issuers. Hmm. So it's, yeah. it's not a hard and fast rule. Well, it has to be an Amex issued, right? Not a co-branded card, or not, not co-branded, but not issued by another bank. So, um, but the Amex customer service is impeccable. I mean, Stephen, we had that Aeromexico flight a few years ago, which used an Amex and I used a visa. You got your money back. I didn't. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, right. I disputed it. <laughs> yeah, and mo- so the the deal with Amex, and this is what really make you know puts them out in a different category is most credit cards have a requirement that disputes need to be open within ninety days of the charge. Amex will even open one beyond ninety days. Wow. Visa will also if it's airfare and the trip hasn't started. I learned that recently when I ha- remember the tap business mistake fair. Yep, mm-hmm. for Thanksgiving. Um, my OTA said, oh, yeah, yeah, no, we finally got it refunded. And then like three months later, still hadn't refunded the money. And I like forgot about it for a while and was, found it in my records. Like, oh, crap. And like finally just went and just opened the dispute with Visa and they were willing to open it. So hmm. 
Cool. Yeah, I've I haven't had the same luck, but that's great that it worked out for you. Yeah, I think it was specifically that the trip hadn't started yet. Somehow that helped. <laughs> so anyway, uh, tell me about the British Airways Heathrow bluff. Oh no, IAG uh, an executive is upset that Heathrow's raising landing rates and suggested that British Airways is going to move its hub as a result. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> to to where Stansted? Gatwick, London City. London City. <laughs> I honestly have no idea because I was unwilling to read past the clickbait of we're going to move our hub. <laughs> like you, you just like make a serious. We're going to grow less. We're going to you know focus more on growing Iberia and Aer Lingus. I don't know, but we're going to close our hub here. We're going to move our hub. I don't think so. Yeah. Just one but- day, just pack up and move to Luton. Well, I mean, you know, this <laughs> Even, all those airports are pretty full too. <laughs> They'll just buy an airline. Yeah, they're having trouble with that right now. Uh, Air Europa, the, that deal. The yep. British uh, Competition Markets Authority, CMA, I think, uh, has decided to open an investigation, which is the equivalent of the US uh, DOJ or Commerce or whoever deciding that they're going to further investigate a merger. Hmm. Oh, wow. So that came up last week or so um because that's another one that we're like they've made it very clear that they're trying to buy air europa and consolidate to have you know pricing power it's they're they're not even trying to be subtle about the fact that oh you know i mean they're, they're sort of saying you know we can have more routes or whatever and it'll be better service but they're basically saying no we want to be able to raise prices i mean but you know there's something to go back to the heathrow conversation right where are the checks and balances to make sure the airport's are efficiently spending money and doing the right thing. But is it is it about efficiently spending money? I think they just wanted to it's like it's like the traffic thing in, in London where they try they're just trying to reduce traffic in London so they raise you know, they have a fee to enter. I, I think that's what they're trying to do. Congestion pricing? Yeah, just congestion pricing the airport. But isn't it does doesn't that negatively impact your overall economy then? It, there's other airports. And no, congestion pricing has not had a negative overall impact on any major metropolitan area where it exists. So, right, like uh, you look at Newark as an example. Right, they through the last year when everyone was clamoring about how little revenue they were getting, they got all this bailout money, and what did they spend a chunk of it on? Is rebranding. Well, was that was that really a good use of funds at a time when business was down? Probably not, because <laughs> right, it comes out it, at the end of the day, the public is paying for it, and there's no checks and balances on what these organizations are doing with the funds. Um, yeah. he, Heathrow's play is basically along the same lines, but we had massively reduced revenue in the you know during COVID. Now that flights are coming back, we're going to try to recoup some of those losses. And it's a privately owned airport, so you know it can. Now the impact is, it, you know, the counter to that is sort of as you implied. If you raise prices too much, will fewer people fly there? Maybe, but it's Heathrow, right? Like in some ways. It, Yes, there are other airports in London. Yes, there are other places people can connect, but most of the traffic going to Heathrow isn't connecting. It's people going to London. Mm. And London, even with the count however many airports you want to, depending on what your definition of London is, um, has the demand to support a ton of seats coming in and out. So, you know, it's not like you can be like, oh, hmm, well, we're going to just connect all these passengers over Madrid instead or over Dublin instead. Like people aren't, you know, even if you moved all your connections to those places, you still could vaguely fill planes going to London. Yeah. So obviously 
to an extent, if the prices go up too much to offset the higher operating cost at the airport, demand will decrease. And airlines run a uh, very challenged situation of trying to balance fares and demand and all that other fun stuff and maybe trying to make some money while operating their planes. And there's no doubt British Airways is more uh, more impacted by any changes there because it has so many flights, right? Like United might say with their, what, 20-something dailies next summer, gosh, this sucks because our landing costs went up 60%, but we can afford it with connection, with you know, inbound connecting traffic and other things and make it work, whereas British Airways has far a far far larger total dollar amount hit and far more of its routes have are you know impacted by the number so it obviously is disproportionately impacted but overall like no they're not moving their hub anywhere and here like it just you lose credibility as an executive saying something like that it just sounds stupid you sound like a upset kid on the playground yeah i'm taking my ball and going home yeah uh, Except you don't have a home to go to. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking my ball and I'm leaving. <laughs> uh, what is Qantas's? What are they doing? The frequent flyer green status? This sounds yeah, new new elite status for Qantas frequent flyer program. Yeah. Green. Is this like you you offset carbon or something for your departures or what, what is it, it? If you have various behaviors that are considered more environmentally friendly, you can earn green status, which includes bonus points, which you can redeem for flights, which as you know, are a super uh, environmentally efficient way to uh, operate. Isn't rewarding people points for get on a plane mutually, like, doesn't that just cancel it out? Shouldn't you be giving the points of people staying at home and spending on their credit card? <laughs> well, and yes, and and giving better redemption value to people choosing not to fly. Yes. To be an airline executive and come up with some of these harebrained ideas. And get paid for them. They got good press on this one. Uh, I Listen, I, I, res- I vaguely respect the idea of rewarding <laughs> passengers for being more environmentally friendly and focused on some of those things. But that doesn't come from a special status on your frequent flyer card that gives you bonus points so you can take more flights. And wouldn't the higher you get in tiers, wouldn't you go further and further away from that? Yes. So do you get negative points? No. Well, this, will this mean like if like the new frequent flyers, like statuses for airlines will be the less you fly. (laughs) I'm top tier on like 86 airlines, right? now. (laughs) Would it be top or bottom? That's yeah. We're number one. <laughs> uh, interesting. Uh, Cafe has a whole host of pilots retiring, and some of this is tied to what went on in Frankfurt. And um, you can explain that, Seth, if you want. What what happened in Frankfurt? So there was a couple pilots. I want to say it's maybe it's three pilots were tested positive on return from a Frankfurt trip recently, earlier this month, and or I guess last month now, um, and. They, there was a bit of investigation into it, and among other things, the airline or the the government forced quarantine, institutional quarantine. So they had to go move into a hotel for like 250 crew, like 150 pilots and 100 flight attendants who had done Frankfurt trips in the last 14 days. And then there was an additional bit of study that was like found that some of the pilots had broken uh quarantine rules while they were traveling like i guess 
cafe must have had rules that you like are supposed to just stay in your hotel and these guys went out for dinner or something. I don't know the exact details, but hmm. uh, not good. And so they were fired uh, and a whole bunch were then, uh, every, you know, this 250 went into quarantine and sort of as a result of that and possibly as a result of just everything else going on, uh, there's been a bit of uptick in pilots saying enough is enough and walking away. Hmm. So not good. Um Although right now, if you're Cathay, you don't really, you barely run an airline anymore, <laughs> um, or certainly a small fraction of what your operation once was. Yep. So in some ways, it's okay to lose the pilots, but not really. I mean, Hong Kong is, the the quarantine rules has been a major challenge. I know uh, probably almost a year ago now, FedEx used to have a significant pilot base there, yep. flying 757s all over Asia, and or mostly 757s, and they moved those pilots back to San Francisco and were, like, ferrying them in to operate onward flights. And as of earlier in November, I think, announced that they were permanently closing the crew base there because it wasn't worth the headache. Hmm. And so I don't know what that means for this sort of the cargo network and how they're going to move you know those planes around, but not good news. I guess if they can, as long as they can keep the tail of the airplane on the ground, um, everything will be okay. Hmm. Jamie um, Diamond, you get an exception not to go through quarantine, just come and go. Really? For who? Jamie Diamond. Oh, yeah, Jamie Diamond, the CEO of Chase. Yep. Last week, I think it was, he just... He flew in on his private plane, had a bunch of meetings, and then flew out. So he didn't have to quarantine or anything? Nope. And when asked about it, the government was like, well, yeah, but he's a really important CEO. Hmm. But not, that the, nice. not the goods that move in and out of your, your country. Okay, got it. Yeah, the, the actual things that generate revenue for the and you know gdp for the com- for the country and keep lots and lots of people employed well hmm. yeah that that was an interesting one now the the hong kong there was one other i want to say who was it? there was one other group oh there was like maybe a british airways pilots had a quarantine also and it was like some or was it they had exposure to someone who had tested positive so they 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 were moved into the again moved into the 21 day quarantine and there's a while there where BA was doing uh, double augmented crews and flying them around trip without ever leaving the plane. Yeah. And apparently they stopped that because now there's a two and a half day layover in Hong Kong for those trips and, uh, you know, hotel quarantine. But the the beyond hotel quarantine, if you get pushed, there's some very questionable sort of institutional quarantine conditions, shall we say the, the boxes on the Island. On, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I mean, that's re- regular citizens too, that are being sent there. So, so uh, yeah, if there's, if there's the explosion, the test positive, right? Like yeah, yeah. normal arrivals, whatever you just, you get to pick from a handful of hotels that have the approval yep. to operate that way. But yeah, I, I wonder, you know, I mean, and this is kind of comes back to the South Africa discussion, right? Like Hong Kong's taking all these steps and they haven't really, I wouldn't say contained COVID, right? They still have outbreaks of COVID. And yet we, we see a, you know, request to not fly flights as being punitive. I would say what Hong Kong is doing is much more punitive than anything else. So, well, that's an define, opinion. Define hasn't contained, I guess would be my question there, or my challenge to you there. Well, I mean, I think their goal is COVID zero, and I, I, everything points to that's not possible anymore. I don't think it's reasonable. I agree that it's not reasonable to be able to deliver that without significant and probably disproportionate impact. Yep. Um, but it, that's different than saying they didn't contain it. 
Yeah, I mean, I, they have fewer, far fewer cases. It's massively fewer, it, right? Massively but, fewer deaths. But right. the conditions, like you said, at these locations are not good for people who do test positive yeah. and are non-symptomatic. Um, I mean, I would argue that Taiwan's had a pretty similar result, but not a very different approach. Do they? Do they have quarantine facilities that they put people in? I thought no, but but they've been yeah. able to control it. Yeah, true. They had that one big outbreak, and they controlled that. Sorry, yeah, mostly because it was hard border closure, though. Yeah. yeah. Um, tell me about this trip report that your dad delivered while at the Thanksgiving dinner table. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> yeah, it's not as bad as you think. It's, it's it's amusing to me because I'm so whatever head down on all this stuff, and so like in tune with the airline world to hear. My parents travel a decent amount, like, you know, earn elite status on a regular basis just from their regular flying. So, um, but like certainly don't pay massive amounts of attention to all of the nuance and detail. And so my parents flew from Jacksonville to Boston, Jacksonville, Florida, up to Boston uh, on an Ember 175. And we were talking about various things. And my mom said something about a CRJ 900 that was a random route that's flying. And I was like, yeah, it's not a bad plane. And, you know, my dad brought up the Ember that they flew on as an E-175. I was like, I think that's a better plane than CRJ. And my dad was like, you know, it was fine. But I just, you know, I got on board and there were no screens. No screens on the seat. And like, he did it in a funny way. It was just like, he was so surprised to be on a Delta. Like he, and it was funny to see, they normally fly out of Gainesville, Florida to connect in Atlanta and it's all regional jets. There are no screens on most of their flights. <laughs> and for whatever reason, coming out of Jacksonville, he just, and it was a longer flight, right? It's two and a half hours instead of 45 minutes up to Atlanta. He was just like expecting that and didn't even think about it, but like took his headphones out and had ever da, 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 and then sat down. It was like, there's nowhere to plug them in. And then there's no screens and like got super flustered by it not being what he expected it to be. Now, and, are they, are they big Delta flyers? Yeah. And do they fly mostly mainline? I'm guessing besides when they well, fly. Yeah. I mean, everything line. except in and out of Gainesville. Yeah. So I think there's one main line a day in and out of games where they get a seven seventeen. So, um, but yeah, it was just, it was super funny to hear him like mildly ranting about there were no screens on board and he was just so flustered and like, I mean, you know, got over it and whatever, but, uh, and it's, it's funny because like in the frequent flyer community, I'd say the E-175 is a pretty loved plane. Right. And that was the thing. They were, we was comparing that to a CR9. I was like, Oh no, you definitely want the 175. Mm-hmm. And, He's like, well, I don't know. I mean, it didn't have the screens. And then him and my mother just started laughing and, and like retelling this whole story. So, um, and and they get the nonstop to Boston rather than connecting. And right, it's just there's yeah, there's all these. Benefits. They'd have to drive up to Jacksonville, but yes, yeah, yeah. that's funny. So, it was yeah, it, it it was all fine and whatever. And it wasn't obviously it wasn't that bad a story, but um, he also you know. Fingers crossed that you know that it continues this way for the rest of the weekend. He said that they didn't have any trouble with lines or TSA or you know traffic or problems at the airport. So no, it wasn't, the other, it wasn't too bad. Yeah, hopefully the other five-ish million people still to fly this holiday weekend have similar experiences. I think on Wednesday I saw some pictures of um, LAX and it was just an absolute crapshoot, crap show. And Newark yeah. on, started on starting on Monday. Because uh, I have, I know someone who flew in. And it took their Uber driver thirty minutes just to get from the bottom of the ramp to the top of the ramp. That seems like a lot. That's almost like worth uh, just taking a cab at that point, or you know, taking the train. Yeah, true. Or taking the air train to a different terminal. <laughs> 
But would it have been any better? I guess that's the question. Yeah, C C always backs up because they're just everyone in arrivals backs up all the way onto the main road through the B exit. Mm-hmm. So if you A and B are generally pretty easy to get in and out of, C is always a cluster. Hmm. Um, taking the train though is has it been operating fairly regularly now? It, like the to pen is it? Yeah, yeah, it's always been running. It never stopped. It never stopped. It was running its normal schedule. Well, I think they reduced the schedule, but it was still running. Okay. Both both New Jersey. Is it New Jersey Transit? What's the other one? Amtrak. Uh, Amtrak, yeah. Yeah. I don't know anyone that uses Amtrak for that hop, but certainly not the short one. Like there's the, that from Newark into Penn Station. But yeah, New Jersey Transit pulled back a little. And I think even the air train reduced schedules at one point. But it's, I mean, I was taking it last November and last February when I was down there visiting. And it was normal or okay. normal enough. Yeah. I mean, Come on, let's be real. If the air train was a quote unquote reduced schedule. That's like any day that ends in a Y. <laughs> it was working though. As long as it's like between the hours of 10 a.m. and 4 p.m., it'll run. After that, it's it's a wild card. You never know. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> now it's sort of like Chicago. Come on. Hey, 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 apparently it's running. They extended their hours. Ooh. They added they're, they're running till 10.30 p.m. Uh, during the holiday. And then it's going to go back to 8.30 because apparently your automated train doesn't run 24 hours. So back to buses? <laughs> yeah, no, the buses never stop. The buses are running full 24-7 still. That's the crazy part is even with the train running, they're keeping the buses. Well, you got to keep the union people unemployed. Well, I think it's more than just that, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they have no faith in the train? I think there's some concern about that, yeah. <laughs> um, arcades are making a comeback in airport terminals. I was shocked to see this. Uh, there's a LAX Terminal 6. There's a new arcade uh, that has opened, and I'm trying to get the name of it here. See if I can find it. It's called uh, Gameway. Hmm. 13 gaming stations, mix of Xbox, PlayStation, uh, Razer PCs. Each one comes with a high-speed internet, you know, wired connection, a charging port for your phone while you're hanging out, uh, 4K TV, headsets, and more is how it's being pitched. And it looks... Sort of like one of the in motion stores with like headphones for sale and stuff like that up mm-hmm. front, and some in a combination of that. And uh, looks like snacks and sodas because obviously, you know, you need some a sugar boost while you're while you're gaming. And then it's like easy chairs, uh, and big screen TVs. So it's in you know, in, an, in the older world, I, I remember there being arcades mm-hmm. in airports, but you know, at a quarter a pop, those were never making couldn't make rent these days. And these guys apparently have figured it out or are trying. Um, it almost sounds like, it almost sounds like one of those like gaming lounges in that you can find in Asia. Yes. That is a very good take on it. But, and it's like, it looks pretty nice, honestly, like nice chairs, um, mm-hmm. looks comfortable, different. And you know, they got the different ones. It's interesting is that it's obviously they have to have the different uh, consoles and whatnot with the different systems. So there you go, Fuzz. You just go hang out at LAX and you get one of those PCs, the Razer PCs, and you just use it for mining crypto. <laughs> I wonder if I could come out ahead. <laughs> what's the, what's the price an hour on this? Yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> not meaning to give you ideas here. Um, T6 is, is that American or is that that's the Alaska? Island, that's the Island of Misfit Toys. Like like Spirit and others, yeah, yeah. Well, so Spirit, I know it's uh, so Alaska's in there. 
I think American uses some gates in there. South? No, not Southwest. Not no, Southwest. Southwest is one. Um, yeah, it's. There uh, we go. Who's in there? Um, U.S. Airways, Copa. Co- U.S. Airways. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> Air Canada, Alaska, Boutique, Horizon, and Southern Air, Mokulele, are the Air Canada departures, Alaska Airlines, Boutique, Horizon, which is Alaska, so it's basically Alaska. I don't know what Mokulele flies out of there. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and Boutique, they actually have a behind-the-security, like, they have behind-security flights? If yeah. Mokalele flies between Imperial slash Centro and LAX. That's, that must be an EAS route. I want yeah. that one. Now that I know about it, I want that one. Because I'm never going to Imperial Valley ever. So should try that out. They've been doing this since 2016. Wow. I uh, But, okay, so hang on. But Boutique, I didn't realize Boutique did anything behind security. I thought most I, Boutiques were inside security. No, like like PDX is it's basically at the FBO. Really? Yeah. I know Seaport used to do that back in the day, but I thought Boutique like learned from those mistakes and realized that people are usually connecting. Yeah, which is surprising at PDX because most people are, and they have a code share with United now. So it's fascinating. Um, I didn't realize that. I'm gonna have to look at Boutique's lines now. Out of there. Um, Tell me about Whitehorse Yellowknife to Toronto on Air North. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Twice a week uh, next summer. They're going to bring their 737 down into the big city of Toronto. Wow. Uh, it's gonna, apparently, it's the first time there's been scheduled service between Yellowknife and Toronto. <laughs> um, <laughs> char- so there's been charters in the past, but this is the first time they've done scheduled service. So so it'll it'll go Whitehorse to Yellowknife. Whitehorse to Yellowknife connects onward uh all passengers get a free snack on the first flight free meal on the second flight and two two bags included Hmm. um so yeah it's super interesting it's like and it's two or three days it's like two days a week it flies sort of down on one day overnights in toronto and flies back the next so it's the same crew going out and back oh interesting interesting um yeah it's uh it will be interesting right across from gate 65 by the way if you're looking for the arcade Oh, okay. I, I was looking what boutique flies. They fly uh, Los Angeles to Merced, Yosemite, connecting to Sacramento. Um, you could almost do a transcon on them, almost. Yeah, with some wild stuff. Like, I think we've the- talked about this in the past, but yeah, <laughs> like there's some really random stuff that they fly. Anyway, um, I'm getting off topic here. Uh, Black Friday sales around travel. I didn't see much. I saw some stuff on Alaska, $29 flights, but that was really it. Yeah, I was, this is more of a question of like, was there anything actually worth paying attention to? I didn't see much either. Um, I want to say that uh, American offered discount on buying points, which is stupid. Uh, United had a $100 off trips to Europe coupon code. Breeze had, or Spirit had just cheap fares, like $20, cent fares for, you know, the new year, which is how we celebrate Christmas and Thanksgiving, apparently, um, and not New Year's. Um, the, uh, yeah, there was some weird ones. Um, uh, Breeze, their, their sale was the cheapest they've ever offered the upgrade from nice to nicer, which is their, like, 
you know, the nice is the un- holy unbundled. You just get a seat on board and nicer gets you seat assignment, advanced seat assignment and a check bag and something else. So, but I thought that was obnoxious in some ways and in very much and many other ways, actually one of the smarter ways to have a sale in terms of like, no, we actually want you to buy this seat and then we'll just give you this other stuff. Like, yeah, I'm a little torn on being mad at them for that. <laughs> um, so yeah, nothing particularly good about it, but there it was. Yeah. Foz, did you catch anything, see anything that was interesting? Oh, I mean, anything at this point, I don't even look at travel. No, no. I'll wait till the world opens up again. <laughs> um, well, we have some interesting bonus information, uh, bonus topics for our Patreon subscribers. And, uh, if you'd like to hear that, you can subscribe on Patreon. And hear that that content. Uh, you can also get the show a little bit early. Uh, if not, well, we're glad that you listened, and you can leave a comment on Twitter or at Dots Lines, um, or just send us an email or whatever you would like to do. Uh, and we'd love to hear from you. So, till next time, happy travels. Sure. Bye bye. Oh, that was loud. Sorry. <laughs>